Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for July 2nd of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh, HockeyHits.com. We had a podcast a few days ago that was to talk about Phil Kessel's trade from the Penguins, and we promised the free agency podcast, and here it is. It is July 2nd in the evening. We've had tons of movement, uh, tons of trades. Well, not maybe tons of trades, but some very meaningful trades. And um, we're going to go through them all. And I was on Cap Friendly, and they had a cool thing up at the top this year. I don't know if they had it last year. Um, did you see the uh, signings and the, the contract dollars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very handy to see. It's a little depressing as well, but very handy to see. So 125 signings. 239 contract years and $704,499,000 of cash, guaranteed money handed out on July 1. Um, That's a depressing pop. <laughs> no, that it's it's fine. It's good. It's good for the players. And quite, Oh, no, it's great for the players. We discussed this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, well, I don't earn that much. The thing... Um, is I think the player, or sorry, the the teams are getting a little better on July one. There are s- still teams, and we will discuss the bad signings and, and moves, but it's not as egregious as it used to be. At least I don't think. What terrible signings? Yeah, like the just absurd signings, and there were, there's still some, but there used to be so many. I think teams are. Uh, Slowly getting the hang of this thing. I think the cap has forced them away from that. Like, you know, we're quite clearly going to go off tap in regards to some of the contracts that were signed. But you've only got X amount of money that you can throw it away on. So, the and I think you said this when the cap came in. The cap is saving the general managers from themselves. It doesn't mean that they're actually going to assess talent any better. It just stops them from being able to throw stupid amounts of money at players who aren't as effective on the ice as other players. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's been conducive to, to this reduction in the absurd contracts. So here's here's how we're going to do this today. Um, we're going to start with the Penguins because that's you know kind of the team we talk about the most. We're going to talk about some of the trades, talk about good signings, then bad signings. So um, that's that's going to be the workflow today. So Pittsburgh, again, to the day, a year to the day, cannot help <laughs> themselves from overpaying in both money and term to a depth player. And this is starting to add up now. They do not have cap space anymore. Um, the the Jack Johnson thing was bad enough. The Brandon Tanev signing is also not a good one. It is not along the same lines as Jack Johnson. Uh, Brandon Tanev is, I don't know, fine bottom six player. He's, in my opinion, a tweener between the third and fourth line. I don't think he's a regular third line player. He's got... Less than 200 games played in the NHL at age 27. His um, underlying numbers are interesting, and we'll get into those. Uh, He doesn't produce a ton of offense. Uh, I don't know what the hell 
you have to jump out and give that guy three and a half mil. You, you can't give term and money to bottom six tweeners. What? Oh, God, it's so frustrating. Well, it, it, it rolls with what happened last year. It's giving term and money to a bottom-pairing defenseman. It, it goes hand-in-hand hand with, with the way Rutherford, Rutherford runs. So I saw somebody put up a tweet, and it was... Um, it was Wilson broke Rutherford's brain. Ever since he felt like Wilson run roughshod over the team, this the direction of this team has, has changed severely. And this goes into that as well. I, I don't understand the term. Like, Tenev must be... He must be loving the world right now. Sure. How does a player who plays bottom six minutes barely gets into third line minutes get three and a half mil guaranteed for six years I know there's a lockout coming and you might be able to shed some of these contracts in two years but Rutherford's probably not going to be around for that and it's bullshit to be waiting for a lockout to to bail you out of shit moves I don't think he's the only general manager that thinks about that though I I think we're probably going to end up in a lockout because I think the players are going to want to have a soft cap um, because the big name players are getting their money, and the middle tier players, when you don't have general managers like Rutherford, are getting squeezed out. They're the ones that are getting screwed over. So, if the if the players' association is really a proper collective, then they'll look at trying to create a, a soft cap, and then deals like this. Um, will not be anywhere near as bad on the general managers as this one is. Because where'd their cap space go? That cap space they created from getting rid of Kessel went to Tanev. Well, this is the problem with the... The, and the Phil Kessel trade was stupid for many reasons. But one of the... There are pros to, to moves even if you disagree with them. One of them was creating a little bit of cap space. And what you just said is absolutely true. It's only as good as it, what you use it on. And he blew it again on a non-impact penalty killer Yeah, his motor, blah, 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 blah. He hits. Great. He kills penalties. Great. I've always said, do not pay a premium for that stuff. You don't need to. And here we are again doing it. So now, here's the issue. And I love the work Sean Gentile's doing with The Athletic and his articles about Rutherford. He's incredibly fair. He's very talented in how he goes about saying it. Um, He's very adamant about the win now window and how you just go for it and fuck the future. Uh, He's, he puts it a little more elegantly, but uh, (laughs) you know, um, he's right. Term doesn't matter on this shit. However, it, 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 it shouldn't matter. Like, yeah, you, you lure a player and you give him a few extra years. It doesn't matter if it goes past the window, because who gives a shit? That's kind of like, I think, the logic about the Patrick Hornquist contract, even though that looks bad in year one. Here's the problem with the Jack Johnson term and the Brandon Tanev term. When you do not live up to the contracts, and in fact, you are falling way short of the value of the contracts, and they are contracts you want to move, then the term becomes damning. If you give term to players that 
you know, it might be too long and they might not be good on the back end of them, the window's over. It's fine. As long as they gave you productive years during the the, the window. I don't think I'm, that's I'm happening. The, no, I'm good with the idea of the length of term if both of those contracts are half of what they are. Well, I'm not, I'm not really good with either player because I, I, I don't think that's a direction that they needed to go in. I agree with that. But if you're going to give Tanev six years, you pay 1.75 for the six years. You do yeah. not pay him three yeah. and a half. I that's could... where giving the extra, that's where Gentili's theory works. I, I'm down with that. Jack Johnson, ignore the fact he shouldn't be on the roster, but if you gave him five years. No, nope, nope. I'm not going to yeah, let I'm, you go I'm, here with this. There is yeah, no, I, yes, no talking yeah, the Jack Johnson thing. The Tanev thing, sure, I'll listen to that. But Yes, so if you're going to give him six Get half the cap hit, and then that gives you some of that flexibility in the win now window that you you, you need. But if Tanev gets three know, and a half Tanev... for six, what the who's yeah who's I know. bidding and who cares who's bidding against you at that point? You yeah, just gotta laugh getting... and move on. Correct. And, and this is the and, guy and, that's yeah. gonna tip the scales. Are you shitting me? As far, you know, I hadn't even thought of it in that context, but it is a case of. Three and a half mil on a player that, what, you think that's going to be what improves this team? When quite clearly it's the back end that needs to be reconstructed. And you lose some flexibility on being able to do that because you've thrown 3.5 mil into Tanev. Aston Reese and Teddy Blue can provide you what Tanev does. He's 27 without 200 games played, and he's a grinder. And he gets three and a half mil... That's the kind of shit you give former cup winners. <laughs> like the Stanley Cup tax. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they paid a Stanley Cup tax on a guy who's got no track record of any of that. I don't I I don't know what to say in regards to this doesn't help this team get better against really good teams. That's that's the reality. They've done there. nothing to address the real problems on the team. So Here's the other problem. They still got some RFAs to sign, and they do not um, have a ton of room to do it. They're still sitting. No. They're fourth in the league right now in cap space with $1.592 million looking at cap friendly right now, projected cap space. They still have Pedersen, who's going to come in at least at that, I think. Probably around there, is that fair to say? If I was Pedersen, I'd be asking for Johnson money at the minimum. If not, good brand well, money. Well, he's, he's an RFA. He's not going to get that. I, I think, I think he'll that. get two-ish. Might get two and a half if they give him like five or six years. Maybe even three. Um, I don't know. I can't put a... I'm, I'm struggling to put a price tag on him. Well, it's hard to put a price tag. I don't know if they're going to bridge him or if they're going to go. But 1.5 is not going to cover it, I don't think. Probably not. And they still have Aston Reese. They still have Bluger. And they still have Matt Cullen. Until Matt Cullen retires, he's coming back. Yes, that's right. Until he puts his hand up and says, fucking ludicrous. It's ludicrous. That yeah. they would even consider, like, what, what's he coming back for? To play good hockey? He can't. He's coming no, he back won't. for the locker room? 
Well, where the fuck was he last year with the locker room problems? And I don't. And I, I know I'm sounding pretty rough on Matt Cullen. He was great, great tra- or great signing, first first tenure, first two years, no complaints. Uh, but he was 42 and he fell off. And you know you got to call it like it is. He's not good anymore. And you are you are allowed to fall off at 42. Like that's okay. Yeah, he's had an amazing <laughs> career, but he's shot and he shouldn't be on the radar. But he is. So till he retires, that that's money um, that needs to be. I just don't see, I don't, I can't see who's going to bail them out at the back. They need to move two contracts from the, from the defense. Listen, and, we know this, but here's the issue. That's not where this is going to come from. Brian Rust is looking bye-bye. Which is just and, retarded. So, Brian Rust, who at 3.5 mil, like, you know, I've raised some questions and, and maybe concerns about him at that level. But holy cow, you're going to bring Tanev in and Rust is the guy out? Rust can't do the things Tanev does? I mean, come on. I did a comparison on Hockey Buzz between the two of them. And it's not even close. Yep. It's not even close. And if it's not Rust, then it's going to be someone like Bukestead. I like Bugstead. He's fine. He shouldn't be a cap casualty for fucking Brandon Tanev. Feels like he's just tanking the team. Well, and he is. He doesn't think he is. he is. No, no, it feels like he's doing it deliberately. And I know that's not the case. It's just that's what it feels like. You know, to the point where he leaves and then the team is terrible after he leaves and it's like, well... Look how good I was. I mean, the two the two cups are. It you can't have a conversation with some people about Jim Rutherford because they've yeah, won. That, the, you just can't. That, that second cup was PDO driven, and hey, they won, so great that they did. But that yeah, but team I'm, was no. Yeah, you can call that out for what it was. That team was nowhere near as good as the year before that, you know, quote-unquote, deserved to win it. They were a good team. They were doing the things that drive winning. This The, the second year was literally goaltending and shooting percentage, and you can make an argument that shooting percentage is a skill, but that's a peak and a trough idea, that one. You could argue the 2015-16 team is the best Stanley Cup winner among the five the Penguins have won. True. I, I so Jim Rutherford that. deserves credit for that one. I Absolutely. Think, like Kessel, Benino, Haglin, Daly, Cullen. That's all awesome. Those are good things he did. And you can't take those away from him. But he can take himself away from them. And he did. <laughs> yep. And and yes, like I'm not faulting him for walking away from Nick Benino and Trevor Daly. Because... That, that was the right move, but he's done such a horrific job of managing the mid-tier, low-tier contracts on this team since then. Yeah, and that's I'll really the say, only thing he's had to do because yeah. he's been given everything. That's hard. I will say this, though. He's not alone in that mid-tier issue across no, the league, but, but he has the best starting point out of any general manager that comes into a team that 
he wasn't rebuilding. He came into a team that was set and was going for it. You couldn't ask for a much better situation than, than what he was in. Two, two uh, franchise centers, franchise defensemen, uh, two franchise are... goalies. Well, for yeah. as much for uh, as much shit as we give Flurry. Like... Hang on, you give Flurry. Well. Yeah, I, I'm not going to backtrack off the things I've said. Um, I, 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 just, I just can't do it. <laughs> but Flurry was a starting goalie that he yes. didn't have to chase down. No, it was all there. It was just like, filling in you know, pieces. Carolina, where he came from, he clearly showed no ability to find a goalie, which is probably why he rushed to give Marc-Andre Flurry that crappy no-movement clause contract. Yeah, it's it's... Very frustrating in the sense that you could see this was what was going to happen. His track record in Carolina was what it was. And nothing he's done through this time has changed any of what he's done there. Comes up with some great deals. Fundamentally, though, the overwhelming work that he does puts the team in a substantially worse position than what it was in from when he started. And... They're not better than they were two weeks ago. No, they're not. They're not. And I would argue that unless the defensemen move, they're worse. Because it'll be, like you said, it'll be rust that goes. And he's a possession driver. He may not produce as many uh, points as, as you would like considering the players that he plays with. But but he pushes possession. Tanev doesn't do that. No, in fact... Um... So some of the weird underlying numbers, he plays with Adam Lowry, who is a halfway decent uh, depth player. With Adam Lowry, his his possession numbers are above 50. They're actually fine. Without him, Adam Lowry, he drops to like 44%. Somewhere around Adam Lowry down that end of the lineup. So who's going to help him drive possession? It's just one of those... Weird things, but like that's a huge that that's a three year sample of it happening. So, like, if they think he's gonna be like a bona fide third liner, I'm here to say, you know, that's putting the cart ahead of the horse or whatever the hell the saying is. Yeah, however it loops. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, it's um, it's problematic. And unforced error again. And the other thing about it is Brandon Tanev is signed through 24-25 and the only other Penguin with him, Sidney Crosby. (laughs) (laughs) You know, with everything that's gone on last year and the way this team is is panning out this year, I can't see Gino re-signing for 22-23. I really can't. I've always thought that there's maybe the go home to Russia thing, but yeah, I think it probably will be go to Florida, live in Miami like he does and, you know, peace out that way. And I, I wouldn't blame I, him at this point. No, that that's the thing. They're not exactly doing a lot to wanting to play out the last three or four years of his career in Pittsburgh. And I would say the same for Chris Letang. You know, they're all the same age-ish, and, you know, Latang and Malkin's contracts run out the same year. 
I'm glad you brought up age because I I'm seeing a lot of well, in fact, even Cap Friendly sent out a tweet about the Penguins' moves and age. And so they said, Pittsburgh has turned over quite a bit of its roster since middle of last year. Since then, McCann, Galchenyuk, Cahoon, Bugstad, Tanev, Pedersen, Gabranson, all these players are 27 years old or younger. Uh, who, who, who fucking cares? Because when you're in a win-now window, age don't mean shit. The only ages that matter are the ages of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. They drive this window. They and them only. Everybody else is along for the ride and needs to push them further. It does not they don't need to get younger right now because it's already a lost fucking cause once the window's closed. There was a time period where the Penguins could have balanced short and long term goals. They they went a different route. They went all in on it. They're in it now. That's fine. It, it certainly worked. It got them two Stanley Cups. They're working towards a third. Hopefully, we'll see. But who fucking cares about the age of the depth guys? All that matters is, are they going to be fucking functional the next two to three, maybe four years? So I don't think that... Well, Rutherford's getting the team younger. No, well, the only freaking thing that matters is the team better. And the answer to that is no. Correct. So, yeah, great. For some teams, like when you talk about the Detroit Red Wings for a while there, yeah, that would be significant for them to get younger because their window's done. Pittsburgh's window is still right now. I don't care... About the ages, I care about the talent and the ability, and can they play inside of that window? And if the answer is no, then what are what are you doing? Because if you you have a look at all of those younger guys, like theoretically the the window's open until Crosby's done. That's probably how they're going to look at it. Whether Malkin's still there or Latang's still there, I think that's how they're going to look at it. There's nobody there, like you said except Tanev, there's nobody else down that roster. Like, Gensel can't put this team on his back post-Crosby and, and run with No, it. he's a great complimentary piece. So, at that point, you don't worry about the ages of these guys. You know? You just... You just put whoever you think is going to be best in the position to get the most out of everybody on the roster, and you go for it. You know, it didn't matter that Jack Johnson was 31 when he signed his contract. So I don't see why trying to adjust the age of certain positions makes a difference. Because he only cares about his public perception. It does feel like some of the media are actually kind of having a crack at him now, though. Well, it's gotten to be that bad. That should tell you how bad it's gotten. That's kind of what I mean. Because you look at the way... You look at the way they've shifted the way they're talking. Like, it's almost like they gave him a pass on the Johnson thing, but seeing seeing what's happened here, they're like, no, this guy's a tool. Because he shipped out somebody that was a fan favorite and basically used that cap space to bring in that. Well, he'll be a fan favorite to a certain faction of the, the fans. Yes, I get, yes. Just not the ones that can read and write. 
Um, <laughs> all right, so last thing I want to say about the Penguins, because this is a free agency podcast. Um, there was a really cool path to get them back to where I think they would have been a badass team. And, of course, it does involve getting rid of Good Branson, well, preferably, preferably both, or at least one of them, even including, let's say they signed Brandon Tana for your 1.75 mil, got rid of a Brian Rust, and there you got space for freaking Jake Gardner to come in. And now you got a Dumoulin, Latang, Gardner, Schultz. And Evgeny Malkin's getting the puck, you know, in stride. Off the boards. <laughs> there, were, there was a path to that. And, um, you know, it was a long shot kind of thing. It was kind of a fun little thing I did July 1. Not even an hour after I did that, Brandon Tanov comes in at $3.5 million and fucks the whole thing up. <laughs> but, uh, man, could you imagine even Jake Gardner at, like, $7 mil, and I know some people listen, he's not worth 7 Yeah, he, he really is. Um, with the cap, I know it didn't go up as far as people wanted it to, but... Um, he is that kind of legit player. And yeah, he would have helped push the play. About it. Yep. He's exactly what they needed. And they could have shuffled the deck to... And I think they, that they would have been an appealing destination for him because he's still not signed. And it has been quiet on his front. There's been no peep of where... Like most of these people, you, you hear during the talking period, oh yeah, they'll end up there, or they're talking with them. I haven't heard anything about him. So, you know why? It's because they're having to keep it really quiet so that the Penguins can get rid of Dumoulin and Good Branson, and, uh, sorry, get rid of Good Branson and Jack Johnson, and use that 3.25 mil just for him. Because that, that, that whole 7 mil thing comes from those two contracts. It could easily, and it just pains me that the these realistic options are on the on the table. They're there to at least be tried. And the total negligence and and just how Rutherford has mangled this cap that that option is not there. And Nikita Gusev of Vegas, man, he'd be lead look great next to Malkin. I think better numbers in the KHL than Artemi Panarin and Dadnov and Radulov. Probably a few other ofs. I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Vegas is over a barrel right now. You could make an offer, get this kid. He's not a kid, he's 27. You you may, you may get a Panarin-like top six guy for four mil. That's what he's looking for, four mil for two years. They don't have the room to even do that right now. Look at the kinds of moves they could do if they didn't have somebody fucking everything up and looking for pushback and all this other bullshit you don't need pushback if you can't get caught and I and I know that the playoffs are a different breed of hockey but the speed and skill they had in 16 and 17 hang on 15, 16, you know what I mean the two cups they won they were faster than the other teams. Yeah, you get held down and you get whacked around. 
But I still think with the players they have on this roster, you bet, you're going to win more games doing that in the playoffs than you are looking for pushback. Like, you look at how slow the roster looked against the Islanders this year. And I don't think they've gotten any better from that team. So... It's, a, it's good for us in regards to having topics to talk about through the next 12 months because there'll be plenty there the way this roster is constructed right now. Um, yeah, so there are some Penguin thoughts for you. Um, let's shift gears. Let's get to the, to the rest of the league. We'll, we're going to start with the trades, and I guess that means we're going to start with Toronto. They, <laughs> earlier, earlier in the morning... And let me just say before I get through any of that, super impressed with Kyle Dubas, and I know there's um, clear bias of like wanting him to succeed, but I think you can objectively say the shit contracts that Lamarillo left him with, he he's gotten out of those, and he's done pretty well to do it. And yeah, it costs a first round pick for him to move Marlowe out. Who cares? What's that first round pick to them? They're competing well, for a the Stanley moment. Cup right now. They're in a win-now window. They're at the beginning of it, much different than Pittsburgh. But they got they got out of Marlowe, and the big trade during July 1, well, the first first trade, the other one was bigger, but Connor Brown, Nikita Zaitsev, Michael Carson, for Cody Ceci, Ben Harper, Aaron Luchek, and a third-rounder. Zaitsev's got five more years, 4.5 mil, gone. Connor Brown, depth player, 2.1 mil. They'll, they'll find a Marley to, to fill his role because the Marleys have been stocked and, uh, you know, they got players ready to jump up and contribute. Cody Cece coming in, it, it seems like they're going to actually roster him and play him, but he's got one year. He's not going to be in their long-term plans. So they get out of Zaitsev's five years. They get CC for one. Honestly, it's probably a push for who's worse. That's bad when you you consider what CC goes through in regards to the grief he, he gets. But Zaitsev's really not that good either. So that trade happened. <clears throat> I can only consider that a win for, for Toronto just because, you know, I can't imagine the Zaitsev contract was one that Dubas wanted when he took over the job, and it's gone. And Done. it creates massive flexibility for his back end. Everybody's contract expires this upcoming season, except for Morgan Riley's. That's so, a pro and a con. But I yes. get that, but it enables everybody that's there to play for a new contract. So they're all going to be, do you know what I mean? Like if there's ever a situation you kind of want to be, and I think it's this is great for them. Yeah, and, you know, he's going to put in the work to, to figure out who makes sense and um, just the string of moves they've made the last few weeks. Um, you know, you, you can see the process behind it and, and the thought and carefulness. So the other trade, uh, really, really good hockey trade, I think. Uh, Nazem Kadri, I think very highly of it. 4.5 mil for three more years. Exactly what the Avalanche needed. They needed oh. a second-line center. He's going to be great for them. You'll get a lot of pushback from the, a lot of Avalanche fans on that one. I agree with your assessment, but a lot of people are not happy with who Kadri is in regards to 
the crazy shit that he gets up to on the ice. But well, I he's think- a, he's on a high profile team, and he was in high profile, you know, first round matchups, and he fucked up twice by getting suspended. But he's a great player. I agree. I think it'll be really beneficial for the Avalanche, but that's one of the biggest concerns I've seen Avalanche fans have is is his, his inability to keep it together. But, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I wouldn't. And, yeah, getting Barry and Kerfoot back the other way certainly helps. Tyson Barry, exactly what they needed to help with the forwards, getting the puck, things we talk about with the Penguins. Uh, wouldn't you know it? Um, Kyle Dubas feels the same way. Um, <laughs> from Luke Fox, Kyle Dubas says management owes it to the forwards and Frederick Anderson to improve the decor and acquire players who can move the puck out. Quote, unquote. Also a Dubas quote. I would love us to be the most skilled and the biggest and grittiest team going, but talent will come first. Love this guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's It's a nice change. It's funny that this is groundbreaking. Talent first? This is... Can you do that? <laughs> I, like I a, need... It, only I in need, hockey is is the talent first approach considered like off the beating path. I need them to beat the Bruins with their talent and get past the 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 philosophy of well, the Bruins will always beat them because they're bigger, stronger, tougher, grittier, right? Because then it'll be like, see, told you, this will work. And then go through and, it'd, you know, the Penguins can't win it. I'd like to see Toronto just carve the whole thing up because he's quite clearly come out and said, we are going skill first, everything else filters down after that. It would be great because this is a copycat league and that's going to be the challenge, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Toronto's going to be a really good team. Whether they win the Cup or not or make a deep run, it's tough to say because uh, they, they do have Tampa still sitting there. But they're they're objectively making this a talented team. And I I don't know. I don't know how anybody could argue against like that not being the way to go about it. Uh, Alex Kerfoot is kind of the... Um, Tyson Berry's going to be kind of a rentalish kind of player. Uh, the Avs, they've been doing awesome things. They've um, they've totally shifted from the Patrick Waugh time period, and Joe Sackick is uh, clearly listening to his uh, analysts. And their young defense corps made it possible to trade from a position of strength. Toronto's strong forward group, made it possible for Dubas to trade from a position of strength. They both got what they needed. They're both better for it. And uh, I like it quite a bit. And Jason Spetz is with the Leafs now. Fourth line center, maybe. Um, that's that's not bad. Well, it's under a mill. He's quite clearly gone, I want to go somewhere where I think I might be able to win a cup. And they'll use him in defensive zone face-offs because he's still a face-off king and he might not score like he used to but he can definitely get the puck to the people who can't so um yeah i i'm happy for him i've always loved watching spezza play um last guy to use a wooden stick i think yeah i think so i think that's right yeah thing was like a telephone pole 
I've always been impressed with how how far he could have the puck away from his body and still toe drag and do. Because a lot of times you need to be in close to be able to pull that puck like it's on a string. He's always been able to to do those things extended, and uh, that's not easy to do. Um, I think the other thing with the Leafs uh, that needs to be said about clearing Zaitsev and uh, well, even Hainsey, they let him walk. Who's the other bad contract? Oh, Marlowe. Uh, it allowed them to sign Andreas Janssen and Kasperi Kapanen to some pretty decent team-friendly deals around three. Um, Kapanen 3.2, Janssen 3.4. So they get to keep some good forward depth as a direct result. So um, Pittsburgh moves out cap space from Kessel, fills it with Brandon Tanev, and the Leafs use it on Kapanen and Janssen. Big, big difference. Yeah, they've got 11 mil. Of cap spots. Well, we we yep yep. There's a but there's a huge elephant in the room with the Marner stuff, and you know the the offer sheet thing. I I think the Leafs are going to match around up to ten mil ish. So is another team really going to come higher than that and do the four first round pick thing? I don't know. He got to, he's got to want to sign it, though. Oh, I don't think he'll have any problem signing it. I think his dad's got him on the fast track to whatever cash is coming in at the level that they've set. I don't think they really care where they go. Well, if, it's actually... You know, if if that's if that's the case, and that's how he's, they're gonna treat it, if I were the if I were the owners, if I was the Maple Leafs, I would sit on it and wait and wait until he signs an offer sheet, and then say, all right, we'll take the four draft picks. Because this team, yeah, that's without, tough though. That's this tough. team, even without him, is good. They're good enough to make a playoff run. They're good enough to win a couple of rounds without him. They might not be as good enough to be in that echelon that you go. You know what? they're pretty close to a Stanley Cup and it's a coin flip sort of a thing. But you can really set up that window for quite some time. Like, they've got two frontline centers there. Yeah. Like, do you... I know... And people always say you can interchange wingers. Right? And he's an exceptional talent. But you've got two top-line centers there that can drive all your play. They've got a whole heap of pieces around them. It'd be I, funny if they traded I'm, for Gusev and said, "All right, Mitch, make your move." Yeah, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be as terrified of losing Mana as I would have been before some of the moves that Dubis has made. I still think he's integral. I think they should want to get it done. I I do think they want to get it done. Yep. Uh, Mitch is being a little bit. I, I we're pretty pro player with earning your money, but. From from the reports you hear, he would be the highest paid winger of all time, and that's not enough on an RFA deal. And it's like, all right, dude, come on. Let's yeah, be reasonable I'm, here. Yeah. Um, but they do have some cap issues uh, with that. Um, they do have ele- well, they kind of have sixteen million because of Horton. Oh, forgot about that contract altogether. So once that goes to LTIR. They'll have a little bit more room, uh, depending on. They've got Kerfoot 
and CC as well. So I think, well, there's an argument to be made that Gardner's trying to wait it out as long as possible to see if maybe the Leafs still have room for him. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you know, Toronto fans, if any of them listen, will be screaming down the headphones at, at my blindness to letting him walk. But it's only if it's for the four draft picks. Because even if they don't actually make, like, utilize those picks, they're chips to go and fill in for Mana's spot further down the lineup. Yeah. Um, so I guess Marner is a great way to uh, segue into offer sheets. We actually got one. Yes. Now, has that actually been matched? Not officially. The, the Canes have been pretty outgoing through social media and interviews that uh, they in kind of almost even insulting to Montreal about the offer sheet that, haha, how could you even think that we wouldn't match it? Um, I don't think it's officially been matched now the two teams can come together on a trade before it's been matched so instead of the rfa compensation they can come up with something different really is anything on that roster that they would go we want that back and that montreal would be willing to give up i just yeah i i personally don't see it i'm just saying like that's an option yeah i got you um i i really like that Montreal gave the offer. I know a lot of people were like giving the wanking motion of, <laughs> all right, we want we wanted an RFA offer sheet, and like you 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 guys did it, but you did it wrong, and they did. They didn't want to give up that extra first round pick, so they they gave the offer of eight point whatever mil, which was only a thousand under what the next threshold was. Yeah, they were pretty clever with the structure. All signing bonuses, and when you match an offer sheet that somebody else gave your player, you cannot trade the player for a year. The way the signing bonuses were, I think $21 million straight cash in year one. For Carolina, like if, that was, if that was Toronto, they'd be like, ah, all right, whatever. Um, Carolina's a little bit different, although Tom Dundon is kind of laughing like, ha-ha, you know, I can, that's not a problem, but they've yet to match it. So the problem with offer sheets with high-end players is it's likely that they get matched. It's the mid-tier contracts that you should be using RFA offer sheets on. So my, my question there is, theoretically, there's two ways to look at the offer sheet. To acquire the player or to put the other team in cap hell. And this yeah, it should be put... just doing them to. Now, this this does this does have a negative impact on the Hurricanes if they match. It's a five-year contract. He will become a UFA at twenty-six. I would yeah. think Carolina would want the eight-year deal, locking him into the eight mil. It's also really weird that Carolina's kind of playing hardball with him. I don't understand that part of it, but. They are, and then now now they're going to have to use the terms from another team to pay their player. You never want to be in that boat. No. 
And I suppose the only thing that's that's a, a, a bonus for them is that they didn't get wangled into having to put in a, a no movement clause or a no trade clause or anything like that into his contract. So if it does look like they're getting to year five of, of the deal and he's priced himself out of whatever their salary structure is, they can trade him anywhere they want and probably get quite a good return for it. He's one of those guys you'd, you'd think you'd want to keep you around. You don't want to trade him. I get that. But they do have some flexibility in the, in the structure of that contract. So, you know, offer sheet uh, seal has been broken. We'll uh, see where it goes from here. But, uh, you know, it was nice to see somebody at least trying, I guess. As opposed to... The same old boring, we don't want to have somebody come back at our guy, blah, blah, blah. you got to have a guy to, to want. So let's start. Um, maybe we can work our way through some of the uh, good signings. Who do you reckon was the best one? It's tough to argue with Panarin. He's elite producer of offense. True. Probably still be very, very good for four, at least four of those years. Um, the Rangers getting him in Capo Caco is is really good, and and Jacob Truba. So Metro doesn't have any bottom dwellers anymore. Uh, I really listen. If you're gonna overspend in free agency, and I and I'm not even calling Panarin an overspend because we're starting to see the RFA saying, "Hey, we're we're taking that UFA money if you want me." Mm. So it really isn't an overspend. That that is the value, and uh, they didn't have to give up any assets for him. So I really, the Rangers did great by getting him. They could have a quite a quick. They could have a quite a quick turnaround, really, couldn't they? Yeah, they're getting there. It's going to take a little bit more, but uh, they're they're on their way. Certainly, a lot better than last year. I suppose uh, you just, you look at it in one context and go, "Is is the king going to screw them over?" In the sense that <clears throat> another like another year bottoming out and getting another top five draft pick or something like that would probably be right for them. But if you've got enough people who can score for you, Lundqvist is enough to save you a goal a game and have you win more than you think you would, which is enough to push them to the lower end of the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, Another, you know, back to Colorado, uh, Jonas Donskoy. He's probably the best value signing of of the free agent period. Um, very good depth winger. Very good underlying numbers. Uh, of course, Colorado got him, and he's four years, three point nine mil, which is only four hundred thousand more than Brandon Tanev, <laughs> and two years shorter. But okay. Thought that was a good signing. Did you what what signings did you think were? Uh... Um, probably the bad ones stick out more egregiously in my head than the. All right, I got a few 
I can still roll with the positive for a little bit. Go, 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 go. Uh, Matt Duchesne, I think, is a good fit for Nashville. Eight mil comes in cheaper than I think people thought. Yeah, that's true. See, they move Subban for cap space, and they, you know, get a pretty gifted offensive player in return. And still have the ability to be able to sign Yossi. Yeah. So Nashville, you know, didn't get a lot for Subban, but their plan was not to get a lot because they were going to spend that money on Duchesne. So that trade worked out just fine for them. Uh, Timo Meyer for RFAs, six mil for, I think, six years, maybe, maybe four years. Some It wasn't an, uh, an eight-year deal. Timo Meyer is a great young player. Six mm-hmm. mil, fantastic. Uh, job well done there. Um, a shark that left. Joe Pavelski, three years, seven mil in Dallas. You know, Dallas is a weird team. They're kind of in this win-now window with um, Sagan and Ben being at the tail end of their powers. Got some other kind of older-ish players. Uh, You might as well make do. And they had the space for it, and Joe Pavelski certainly... I'm not expecting him to score 38 last year, but he he pumped in 38 last year, so that's <laughs> pretty good. Uh, Andre Sakara got bought out. That's a low-risk uh, signing that if he even has somewhat of a pulse, that, that's not going to hurt them. And I think there was one other forward in Dallas that... Um, Did Z- oh, Zuccarello went to... Oh, Corey Perry. Duh. Uh, at one and a half mil with some bonus clauses... That's that's not a bad bet. Like it's one year. Who cares if he if he's good? Great. If he sucks, okay, whatever. Well, they've jumped into their all-in sort of window as well. Yeah, they they are in it. Yeah. So and Ben Bishop was awesome last year. So they needed some scoring help at the center position. They got it. Maybe Corey Perry gets fifteen to twenty goals. We'll see. So. I, I kind of don't mind what they did there. That's the kind of team they are right now, so um, not not too shabby. And let's see. Wayne Simmons, one year, five mil. On the surface, you're like, five mil? What, what the hell's going on there? You know what? Devils are swimming in cap space pretty much. One year. You got some options here. He plays well. The team's contending for the playoffs. You keep him. He plays well. Your team sucks. You trade him. He plays like shit. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so it's one of those that I, I don't think, well, a great signing, it's uh, not going to harm him one way or another. No, that's right. It's worth uh, the risk with the situation they have. And, you know, Ray Sherrill, for his... Um, all the reasons that have been rehashed on why he left the Penguins, a huge reason why Jim Rutherford was able to come in and and do what he did at the very beginning is Ray Sherrill did not leave him with awful term contracts. In fact, um, I don't know what the longest contract is is that he gave probably five years to Paul Martin, and that was pretty good. Wasn't I know he offered seven well? to Hosa. 
What's that? Wasn't he five was his max, really. Like if you ignore Were the Crosby and Malkin ones signed before he got on board? I don't know. They would be obvious exceptions and fine. Ignore ignore the those two. Then yeah, Host is the only one that he tried to sign for longer than five because Everybody else was a five-year contract, and he offered seven for Hosa because, like you said, Martin and Gonchar were five-year deals. Gonchar, I think, was Craig Patrick. Well, there you go. <laughs> he was right out of the lockout, I think. That's how long ago that was. Um, last bit of positive, not really signings. Um, Buffalo, nothing that's really huge moving the needle, but getting Colin Miller and Jimmy VC. They needed depth. They got it. That it was pretty painless acquisitions there. Uh, tough, to, tough to uh, be too critical of those moves. And getting uh, Colin Miller and Brandon Montour opens the door for hopefully a Ristolainen trade that they can uh, really flip a player that's perceived value is way higher than his actual value and and get some meaningful return after fucking up the O'Reilly trade as bad as they did. <laughs> I actually, I um, I don't mind the Valamov signing in the in the Islanders. I'm a big fan of Valamov when he can keep his groins in one piece. Um, All right, we're going to shift to the bad ones. Do you agree with that as a bad one? Do you? Because I think that one's okay. <laughs> uh, no, no, go and give uh, t- yeah, keep going with. Um, I your... think it's all right because the Islanders have fewer shots and fewer high danger chances, and I think that will suit. Valamov in that sense. I think it was silly that they let Robin Leonard walk. That that would be my angle where I'm going. Correct. With this. I, I think that's stupid, but I think Valamov in that Islanders environment, how they play, I think that's a good signing. But if he can't stay together in one piece, that four year deal can quite quickly become a disaster. I mean I, I don't like it because he's older now. Yeah. And I know you've been you've been on his his train for for quite a while. Like that isn't a new thing. No, that's right. Like, uh, but he's thirty one, and you're giving four years yeah. to him. And that's the risk with it. Absolutely. And, and applying you, it has a history of being injured. And you just gave, you just had a, a Vesna finalist, Robin Lehner, who is. 27 and you can't give him the same deal you don't think he was going to sign that same deal well he signed the exact same cap it for one year for a team that will give him a lot more rubber um so i want to read robin laner's full comments about how the negotiations went down and this is why i think it's a bad deal because lose a dickhead well we know that uh the first question that's all relative the only thing with the island it was a little bit of special circumstance took over a month and a half after the season to go through the due diligence phase which i was pretty patient with and opened the books with the program i didn't want to keep any secrets i have no secrets and i'm very comfortable with where i am as a person then the negotiations started really recent obviously like everyone else i wanted to get something with term but when i found out there was nothing with term that's when i said in the media openly i don't care what term is i just want to make it work because I really like the fan base in Long Island and my teammates in the organization. Then when we came down to shorter term and it was a little bit off in the money and it was kind of an ultimatum put in front of me 
And I took a couple days to think about it, and when I came back and wanted to make something work, they already went for another goalie. So that is the truth, and if people believe that, it doesn't matter. I'm very excited for this new chapter of my life with Chicago Blackhawks, and it's going to be a nice journey. What the fuck is Lou doing? Being a dick. That was a Vesna finalist. Didn't he win the Masterton too? Yeah. Yep. And you can't give him four by five? Well, it's funny. When that when that dropped, what, Mrazic what dropped. What makes Varlama a better bet than him? It doesn't. I, like, so that's I'm, why I I'm say going, it's bad. I'm going on it because I like Varlama, right? That's why I think that one's an all right signing. Because Lena left. But I didn't realize that it was they signed Valamov ahead of Lena. I thought it was the other way around. Yeah. So that's just that is just retarded. Like that's... my decision on that signing of that contract changes significantly on that decision. Talk about treating a guy like shit. Lou sucks. What a fucking loser he is. But he got him to the playoffs, and so that just gives him. Laner did. Yeah, you're right. And between him and Thomas Grice, and, you know, Barry Trotz is obviously a, a good coach, but he won Coach of the Year. Lo and behold, gee, who was first in save percentage? It's funny how that works. Yeah, and you've got the you've got the chicken before the egg question there. Is is it what Trotz does that allows the goaltenders to have good save percentages, or is it just that the save percentages were there for that year and obviously Trotz benefits from that? It's, it's probably a hand-in-hand scenario there. But, yeah, but, having, having that save percentage certainly makes your job easier as a coach. All right. So, Anders Lee's fine. 7x7, seven seven, like, captain, all that stuff. I get it. But they're treading water. And they lost one of the pieces that drove their success last year. So, um, I can't say it was. it's been a successful offseason so far uh, for the Islanders. The, keeping Eberle, yeah. Keeping Lee, yeah. But they needed to do more because they were really riding the goaltending and they lost half of that. They need to sign Gardner. Yeah, that would be great for them. It really would. Um, So, next bad contracts. I'm going to go to a team. Okay. Florida. Are you going to say the goaltender? Because I think that's a terrible deal. Awful. <clears throat> and, and Sergei Bobrovsky, two-time Vesna winner, obviously a very good goalie. But he's 30. He's getting seven years at 10.5 mil. It's as dumb as the Carey Price contract. Florida cleared all that space. And they didn't get Panarin? They spent it on Bobrovsky. Like, Dale Talon does not... His computerless approach is not going so well. It's fraught with danger. <laughs> it's one way to put it. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what else to, to say. I, considering what they did at the draft, and... Yeah, you beat me to it. Yeah, go Go ahead. <laughs> They draft somebody in the top 15 in the draft, high-level goaltender, highly touted prospect. Yeah, he might not be seasoned for the next four years or so, but you look at what happened with Carter Hart. 
Four. Uh, you draft a kid at 13, it better not be four years down the road. No, no. And, and yeah, so there's just so many contradictory things that happened in the last five or six days or seven days or however long ago the draft was to now. They knew they were getting Bobrovsky and still did it. Yeah. The draft pick. So, what? Are, yeah. So, it's just just confusing and, and just a little baffling in, in that context. Um, you know, are there any clauses in that contract? Oh, he does have a no-movement clause. So, it's not like if it all goes pear-shaped, they're just going to be able to move him out and then bring the kid in and, and see what he's like. And, you know, he had his, he had his issues with a hard-ass coach. In Columbus, it's not exactly like Quenville's not a hard-ass coach either. So it'll be curious to see how it all pans out. Yeah, like the Spencer Knight draft pick is just lunacy for a lot of reasons because that's one of the draft rules. You don't <laughs> draft True. goaltenders high. And um, so when's, when's he going to play? Because either... Bobrovsky contract is a complete failure and the kid's playing, or the draft pick's completely pointless because he's got to wait forever to play. Yeah, it's it's baffling. It's <clears throat> Yeah, so the draft pick is wrong more so than the, the free agent signing because they had that plan, like you said, well before the draft. They knew what they were doing before there was the no draft. We, we knew in March what was going yeah. down. So so if that's the case, then drafting that kid, it, it's more of a draft issue than a signing issue. Yeah, the, the signing's terrible. 10 mil for a goalie who's 600 years old. It's not Awesome a, goalie, but... Yeah, that's not the argument. It's just how long is he going to be productive for you? Like, you can't just... Well, I suppose maybe they could. You blow something out, you put him on long-term injury, and he doesn't play again, but still gets paid. So... Well, then, then you also have to think about there, there's still a mill in goaltending that's going to stick with him for the next three years because of Luongo. Well, the bonus here is if Bobrovsky does decide to walk away, it's a pre-35 contract. So if he does... No, walk... I, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, uh, on top of the 10.5 mil... Yeah, you got the 1.09. Yeah, no, I see it. It's not good. No. <laughs> it doesn't end there for them, though. Anton Strawman at 5.5 mil... Like he's he he was an analytical darling, but he's he's up there in age now, and it's no fault to him that his play has fallen off. That's just how it goes. Um, it's almost like this was he's getting the contract he should have got when he was on the Rangers. Yeah, it's the it's the old style of uh, contract signing. It's like oh, we'll pay you now because you've you've given us what we need, and it's like no, you do it the other way. So he's 32. Uh, actually, no, he'll be 33 August 1st. So that's year 33 through 36 at five and a half mil. It, it's that's dicey. Aging curve it has struck him. His his results have been significantly impacted. So that's another weird one. I will give them credit for Brett Conley. That was a very good signing. But between the other two, you got to put Florida in the what the hell are you doing category. <laughs> and the guy that's definitely in the what the hell are you doing category is Paul Fenton. Yeah. Have you been reading his quotes? No, but I've been looking at what's been going on. Oh, it's, the vibe is that he's crazy, I think, basically, is where we're at. 
All right. Matt Zuccarello, I think we both like him as a player. Yep. But what is he getting? Five years, six mil a year? At 31? What What, what are the – like the Wild are just the most mediocre, no one gives a shit about team in the league, which is too bad because Minnesota's awesome. But it's it's – is that – that's pushing them over? Like, ugh. Well, the thing, anyway, is, the so thing po- is, though, they're, they're all in until Parisi and Suda retire. But that's the reality of those two contracts. Yeah, but their window's done. I, I agree, but that's the way they... That's the way Fenton must be looking at it. No other example... No other explanation, I mean, to, to sign Zuccarello. Like, they're their two right, you, pillars. You want the quote on Zuccarello? Here we go. Yeah, you're right. Here we go. I told him when I was talking to him that he's like a lizard. The way a lizard takes his tongue and sticks it as far as it does and retrieves what it was trying to do. So this is where I'm the making li- the, this, I'm not making this shit up. This is where the lizard talk came from in my Twitter feed while I was at work. This is what started it. Yep, straight out of Paul Fenton's mouth. Fuck. God damn it, man. Paul. That's crazy. Paul. That's just, come on. Thank you for quoting Paul, the year. Paul but... must have went to a fish show and got his drink dosed. <laughs> That's the only explanation for his past few months. They are a blah team, but I can't. All right, I got, I got more quotes. I really, keep going. Fenton on the, uh, this is from Michael Russo, but this is Fenton, quote unquote. The thing I liked is when guys came up to our table and they were way taller than me. We've had some smaller prospects, good hockey players, but every time somebody came up and they were much taller, you got a smile on a lot of our faces. Come on! Yeah. Yep. Oh, god damn it, man. Paul's nuts. Polly Walnuts. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so Minnesota, good luck. You're fucked. That's just crazy. They're fucked. Like, Chuck Fletcher wasn't great, but this guy's even taking them down a shittier path. So, uh, best wishes to... To Minnesota fans, I, apologies. I don't see um, where that's going. Well, um, the Coyotes have done really well. Ignore the Kessel trade. They signed by Bennett. <laughs> I did see that. And, and you know what? It made me happy to see that. I hope he does well. Yeah, he just needs to stay in one piece. He's a good possession dude. I thought he would always contribute a little more offense. It never happened because never could stay on the ice. Um, you know... I hope it goes well there. Always, um, always rooted for him. Thought, um, thought he was a, could have been a good depth player for the Penguins, and I still feel strongly that he was a better option than some of those later Shero teams of what they were putting out there. Like he was being scratched for Tanner Glass. That shouldn't have happened. No. Hey, just quickly, the merry go- the goaltending merry go round in um, in Alberta. 
Cal- yeah. Calgary are going to get tanked by goaltending again. Maybe. Talbot I could see playing fine. Nah. Not the greatest option, but, you know. There weren't... I, I get there, I was going to say, there weren't a lot out there, but, I mean, the Talbot signing was done... At least it's not Mike Smith, which, God bless the Oilers. <sighs> but but you, you get there and you go, you've got Ken Talbot, and, and like, Valamov... Mrazic and Leonard. Should have got Laner. Well, this Should've is, got this Laner. is where I was headed. None of those three players were signed when that deal got done right off the bat. Oh, okay. And you, you just sit there and think about it and go, maybe they did, you know, see what was going on. And from what Leonard said, he was happy to sit back and just wait and see what was going on with the Islanders. And they felt like they had to jump. But I just, I don't know. That Calgary team is really, really good. And you don't really... Yeah, so I'm tr- I'm trying to look at what the issue of the holdup would. Okay, so it might it might be a money thing. Cam's making two point seven five. Yeah, it's five and a bit. Yeah, I get what you mean. And they have nine mil, nine point four in cap space, but they also have Matthew Kachuk to sign. Yeah, okay. Which is probably going to come around eight, and Sam Bennett, who doesn't have as much leverage. So I can see why they couldn't splash for five mil. Well, you run you run that argument of they're in their window. Try and say we'll give you three over six. Yeah. You know, Lena's looking at five mil, three over six is eighteen. I don't know. I just the Calgary team. Just don't trust any of the three guys they've got there. That's all. Yeah, it's, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And they're good. This is the thing. Like they're they're a good team. And um, we'll stay in, we'll stay out that way. We'll move a little bit more west. Tyler Myers. It, it went down. Just exactly. Not not quite as maybe as bad as um, we thought. I mean, eight mil was getting thrown out there. So I don't... he got five years and six mil. Micah, Blake McCurdy, very defensively weak at both five on five and shorthanded. Doesn't help a power play to speak of, and has a rough penalty differential. He is, however, very tall. <laughs> so the um. The other part about this contract, and it's classic Jim Benning from Petbugs13, $16 million in signing bonuses for Myers in the next three years, all due on September 1st instead of July 1st. Buyout proof and trade proof. Well done, Jim. It's a horrible contract. He's, he's, he's not maybe quite as bad as Jack Johnson, but he's making twice as much, so the contract sucks just as bad. The other... Th- well... And I bet you any money in his no-movement clauses, he can't be uh, exposed in the expansion draft either because that was one of the things that Edler was working his ass off to try and make sure that he got, and I don't know whether he did. Because that there's going to be an expansion draft. So mm-hmm. that might be the other thing that bail out some of these fucking GMs. Yeah, if Seattle takes them, 
like I think Seattle, especially um, after what the Knights did. Well, well, the Knights I don't even think got they did fine. Don't get me wrong, but I I think Seattle could even be more cutthroat, and Minot is dumb. Yeah, that's what I mean. You use the Golden Knights model. You you just you trim down a little bit better, and you end up with a little bit more cap space. <clears throat> Excuse me. Or more flexibility with, with with draft picks acquired from taking on some bad contracts and stuff, and away you go. So, I mean, whoever the GM is in Seattle, it's going to be a tough a tough gig to follow up. And yeah, with Seattle comes Alexandra Mandraki, and I apologize to you, Alexandra. Not that you listen. Um, that I couldn't come up with her name. Um, on the last podcast when I was discussing War on Ice, she's going to be in the room picking the GM. The GM may be her boss, but she she's obviously empowered to make that choice, and it's going to be a very analytics-heavy approach. God, I want them to succeed straight away. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you, you, can, you can talk about teams being, quote-unquote, bailed out by Seattle – it's going to come at a price. Yeah. If they take a shit contract from you, you're going to pay a cost of a hell of a prospect or a first-round pick. Um, it's not going to be some of those friendly deals like with the Ducks. And I think there were a few others that, that got away with kind of, eh, okay, that's fine. I, I think Seattle has a chance to just be savage. So the only thing that could do. nix that would be all the – 30, however many general managers, all the 31 other general managers just colluding, just freezing them out. It's the only other way I can see that not working. Not going to happen. Never have them all agree on something. Because it is a boys club, an old boys club in regards to... So whoever the general manager is, if they bring somebody new in who's outside of that circle, then I think they might struggle with that. Because I can't see a... I can't see a retread GM going all in on the analytics. Well, whoever they hire is going to have to. That's what I mean. So I think it's going to be somebody outside of the crew that currently exists, which I think would be great. Your question then is how do they go about cultivating the relationships that would actually have those general managers deal with them, knowing they're probably going to get shown up. You you, want to know what? I say... Poppycock. Kyle Dubas is doing just fine. True. This is very true. Right? Yep. Like, wouldn't he be, like, the poster child for that? He is. And when you you put it in those terms, you go, yeah. Yep. Good point. (laughs) So, yeah. If teams are waiting to be bailed out by the expansion draft, they got bad news for you. I don't think it's happening. So, um, let's see. Any other? Do we miss any big ones? Not that I can think of. I mean, some of these teams stayed quiet, and kudos. Good for you. You did good. Yeah, you don't have to do something all the time. Just sit it out and wait. So, probably the next time we podcast, we'll um, maybe have a Nikita Gusev thing going on. Might have a Penguins, Brian Russ trade something like that. Jake Gardner might sign. So there are still some pieces to be had here. 
still a lot of RFAs to be signed. Uh, the Patrick Lyonnais, the Matt Kachucks, the, Bra- the Braden Points. Uh, we'll, we'll, Marner, <laughs> obviously, that we talked about. Aho, we'll see what resolves from that. A lot of still interesting stuff to come. But I think for this week, we, we got a lot covered. We did indeed, which is good. <laughs> so um, do you want to explain maybe some of the changes Oh, for the made. podcast, yeah, we just we moved platforms over onto Anchor FM. Um, I set it up so there was a di- redirect from our old uh, Blog Talk Radio, um, where we were getting it hosted last time or previously. So that should automatically just occur for you. If you got the Kessel podcast, you're quite clearly going to get this one. Um, I've put the updates in the um, in the show notes on the website. Um, so everything should be good. I haven't had anybody say, Hey, I haven't got your podcast in the feed since we put the, um, since we put the Kessel one up. So if anybody does have any issues, I'm talking to people that aren't listening to it anyway, because they haven't got it. <laughs> Valid point. I just realized that as I'm doing it, I'm like, hang on a second. Yeah, I didn't, that, that didn't really cross my mind when I said that. So, um, spread the word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so all right there it is we'll see you next time see you guys